Hi everyone, it's Helen Joy Butler here, Home Energy Alchemist, Sanctuary Creator and Elemental Space Clearer and welcome to this episode of Musings on Sanctuary and Spirituality. I'm really excited today to have Sydney Weiss with me from Seek the Joy podcast. Hi Sydney. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so I'm so looking forward to chatting with you today. This is going to be a lot of fun. It is going to be a lot of fun. Let me just share a little bit about you and then we'll dive straight into it. So Sydney is a lawyer and creator and producer of Seek the Joy podcast, your go-to podcast for heartfelt storytelling and conversations on all things self-love, joy, connection, wellness and spirituality. Sydney's greatest mission is to uplift and empower others to find their authentic voice, encourage them to step into their vulnerability and courage, all to seek their joy and bring about greater healing. Through Seek the Joy, she's been able to do just that. Inspired by our ongoing journey toward growth, empowerment and self-love, every episode offers a fresh perspective aha moments, laughs and stories and wisdom that will stick with you throughout the week. In 2020, Sydney launched Stories of Inspiring Joy, a new space dedicated to sharing your stories in your words. There is real power in storytelling and when we come together around shared love, loss, laughter, joy and vulnerability, we build connection, create inspiration and come together in community. We all have a story to share and a voice that is meant to be heard and we want to share yours. Mm. So Sydney, how did you get to this beautiful place of starting Seek the Joy podcast? I think that Mm. there's got to be a story behind it. There's, There's definitely a story, but before I share the story, I have to say hearing you read that intro, I got to get you to do it for me all the time. That was beautiful. Um, So where should I start? You know, it's so interesting. I think we all sort of grow up and um, embark on a path that we think really deeply resonates with us. And for me, that was becoming a lawyer. I always wanted to be um, an advocate of sorts. And so everything I did my whole life was in preparation to become a lawyer. And it really wasn't until probably like the first year of law school that I realized, "Mm, maybe I'm not in the right place, but I wasn't totally sure if it was like the type of law or maybe just being a lawyer. So I continued down that path. And it was about a month or so before I graduated from law school where things started to happen, little signals, signs, I think you could say from the universe or just my higher self kind of coming in saying, "Uh, Sydney, (laughs) we may not actually be in the right place here. And so about a month or so before I graduated from law school, I had shingles at 25. Uh, Graduated from law school, embarked on the journey of studying for the California bar exam. It's this 10 week, very intensive period of time where all you do is study and sat for the bar exam and came out of that experience, probably the, I don't know if it's the sickest or just the most not myself that I had ever been in my whole life. About a month later, I had appendicitis. So like had to have my appendix removed. It's like this whole journey and saga, these things just kept happening. And then finally it all culminated in not passing the California bar exam. And 
for me at the time, it was like this rock bottom moment because I really had to come face to face with the fact that I was basing who I was as a person, my self-worth, how I felt about myself, how I saw myself in the world on everything that was external to me as opposed to the internal. So it was about success. If I passed an exam, what other people thought of me, I mean, the list goes on and on. And without really realizing it, I embarked on this sort of nine month journey of changing that, of changing the way I spoke to myself, the way I was treating myself, um, studied for the bar again. And by the time I came out, came out of that experience, I was a totally different person, kinder, more patient with myself. I had um, more self-love and self-compassion for myself. Just the lens, I think you could say, through which I saw the world and saw myself in the world had shifted so dramatically. So I wanted to create a way to connect with other people who either had similar stories or experiences or really wanted to do what you and I are doing right now, which is just have a conversation and, and be vulnerable So I thought, I'm going to start a podcast. This is what I'm going to do. And within two weeks, I had the idea of the show, the name, everything in between. And I launched it, really not knowing what I was doing, but being very clear on this was something I was supposed to do. And about three and a half years later, the podcast and everything that I've created as a result of it has completely changed my life because it's allowed me to step forward, I think, more truly and authentically in my own voice, in who I am and realizing this very interesting fundamental truth for me, which is you can be an advocate in a kinder way, in a more empathetic way, and be an advocate by sharing stories and by providing a space for storytelling. And so that's, that's how the podcast was born. That's, it's a, it's a long-winded journey, but you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for it to say the least. Yeah, it's beautiful. And you know what? The best journeys are long-winded, even Mm -hmm. though when we're in it, we often don't, you know, understand that. And I think that creating a platform for people to share their stories, many I'm certain which haven't been either heard before or shared so beautifully or openly is what I I actually think that's going to heal the world. Mm. I think so too. You, you nailed it because I think what is so interesting about media and so interesting about podcasting and, and blogs and everything else in between is sometimes we keep seeing the same stories and sometimes we keep seeing the same voices. And I have just felt it's so important to share as many stories and as many voices as I can and really create a very um, diversified home for these stories. I think if you feel compelled to share your truth in a way that is authentic to you, you should totally do it. You know, um, So I agree with you. I think the more that we step forward in our stories, in our truth, our experiences, it will heal us, which in turn then heals the world. It has that domino effect. Um, because I truly believe that to bring about greater healing starts with you, always, always starts with you. Definitely. Do you feel that this concept of vulnerability through the people that you've had conversations with, because I guarantee you've had probably thousands of conversations (laughs) by now or connected with thousands of different Mm -hmm. people in lots of different ways. Do you feel that that's, created a release for the people through the vulnerability and have you perhaps even reconnected with those people who shared their stories you know at a later date whether it's a week Mm. or a month or whatever and and noticed Mm -hmm. a difference in them at all Mm. 
That is such a beautiful question because I think I don't often have that opportunity to reflect in the way that you're asking me to right now. So I, I really appreciate that. You know, it's so, it's so interesting because I started this series on my podcast about four months, not even four months into it called the power of storytelling. And the crux of that series is you come on for about 10 to 15 minutes and you share your story in a way that is true for you. And for some people that means kind of treating it as a dear diary moment or sharing a poem or a song or, you know, an experience that led them to writing their book or becoming an entrepreneur or anything else in between. But what is so fascinating about when someone shares their story is someone who, who hears it and then reaches out to me or reaches out to that person and says, hey, you don't know me. I'm from the other side of the world. But what you said about your childhood resonated so deeply with me that now I have a better understanding of my own experience. I can't tell you how many times I have either received a message or an email like that, or a guest on the show has received a message like that and then shared it with me. I think we underestimate sometimes the impact of our experiences on someone else and the impact of that healing on somebody else. And so, yeah, I mean, anytime I've been able to reconnect with a guest, either someone who um, I interviewed for the podcast or who came on The Power of Storytelling, which I actually retired that series back in December, 2020, and now it's its own podcast, The Stories of Inspiring Joy, which you shared in the intro. Um, it is, it's just so phenomenal and fascinating to hear how it has healed them by having a space to actually share who they are without a filter, without you know somebody else um, having an opinion. You're just sharing you. So yeah, I think, think people, I think we change as a result of sharing our stories. I have certainly changed as a result of sharing my story and, and being vulnerable. When I started sharing about my experience with shingles and my appendix and the whole thing. I mean, people would were finding it and emailing me, hey, Sydney, I had shingles at 23 or 27. And oh my God, I had the same experience with the bar exam. So it is so, it is so cool to be reminded that you are not alone, you know, in what you're experiencing. We, we often feel so isolated, but we don't have to be because we really aren't. That's so true. And, you know, only yesterday I was speaking with another lady about this concept of fear. And that's really what I'm hearing as well, is that there's so much fear that we place on top of our life experience. And we yeah. think, oh, my gosh, if I share that, people are going to think I'm crazy or people are going to think I'm weird or whatever they think. And we put, I think, a little bit too much gravitas on what the other person thinks. And I have this saying, I say it to my husband all of the time. I say, we cannot judge that person because we have not lived that experience. And even if we have lived that experience, we haven't lived it through that person's lens. Mm -hmm. So to be able to kind of surpass that fear and step into that vulnerable place, whether that's publicly on a podcast, like we're having a conversation mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. whether that's in your own head, whether that's with your healthcare provider or your best friend or whoever that is, stepping past that fear into vulnerability can really, I want to say, rocket you forward to a place that you didn't expect. Because I'm going to just place this out there, that when you're in law school, you kind of had this plan and you were going to tick off all these boxes and then you're going to move into this firm and this is what you're going to do. And that was, you know, surpassed by illness and, and all of that as well. So fear, I think, 
has this hold on us mm-hmm. and at the same time as having a hold on our mindset and our you know the way we go about our life it has this hold on our body um, mm-hmm. and that's of course when our body cracks right <laughs> yeah. Falls apart. yeah what you said is so interesting about fear and and I want to make sure that I acknowledge that because on the other side of fear is actually what we are searching for on the other side of fear is our biggest dreams, our biggest hopes, our biggest wishes. And when we are feeling a sense of fear, which is also this sense of, I think, sometimes deep resistance, pay attention to it. It's, it's there for a reason. It's, it's there as a teacher, as a tool, and I think also as a motivator. So I can't tell you how many times I feel this like intense fear or resistance. And instead of walking, or I should say run, running away from it, I keep trying to challenge myself to actually look at it. What, what is the fear? What is the sense of resistance? And often it's about me challenging what I think is possible for myself or me challenging who I think I actually am or who I can actually become. So interesting too, what you said about checking off boxes because for so much of my life, it has been about, okay, which box do I need to check off to get to that next place, you know, that I'm searching for. And I always leave this out with my story and I I don't know why, but I ended up passing the bar on uh, my second try and becoming a lawyer. And now I work in entertainment, um, which is very different from what I anticipated I would be doing, which is working uh, as a district attorney. That's really what I wanted to do. And, and so I think it's just so interesting how when you allow yourself to sit with the fear, experience the fear, identify and name it, and then work towards moving past it, you actually begin to really, I think, understand yourself and get to know yourself a little bit better. It's, it's such a transformative and transformational experience, I think, if we have the courage to, to walk down that path for ourselves. Yeah, and embracing that because when you say, okay, fear, I'm going to, you know, give you a hug. I'm going to just step in towards you. That is nearly the opposite. That's like us walking into the lion's cage and going, yep, off, you know, take me kind of deal. When we have that, um, what that lizard kind of instinct, which says, don't step into the cage, (laughs) that's fearful, go the other way. So, but what we're talking about isn't, I want to say what, what we're talking about isn't about a lion in a lion's den, but for some things, it can feel like that in our lives. Like whether that's a relationship thing or a work thing, I'm certain, um, like I know for me, with my upbringing, there were three girls in our family. We had a, a brother as well, and it didn't seem to really impact him, I don't think. But with the three girls, my mum wanted a hairdresser, a nurse, and a teacher. Mm. Now hear that, my mum wanted. Yeah. So as opposed to what would work for her three daughters. And she got two of the three. She got a nurse in one of my sisters and I became a teacher. Mm. And I think that we, at that age, we kind of go, okay, well, that's the right thing to do, you know, particularly in my era. You and I have a different era and I grew up in the country as well. And you kind of did, you just did it, right? That's just how it worked. Yeah. And so then you go down this certain path, which goes for, in my case, quite a long time. And then it feels as though you lose yourself even more. The longer you go down the path, it's like, you, you know, the more you go down, the more you got to come back to try mm-hmm. and find yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to take forever. It took me a long time to get to that point of coming back to who I am. 
but I was okay with that. I think now we're in a very different energetic era and things can happen much more quickly if we allow yeah. them and if we're of the right mindset. So that's, you know, that's okay. Yeah. But it's really just saying, you know, I've cleaned out this residue, this detritus, this whatever in my life. There's always going to be something else to clear out to bring us back closer more to mm. that, you know, that centre. And that's okay. Uh, it's it's life we're not here to go right I got to the end of it and now I'm this age and now I can live another 30 years and everything will be perfect because right that's not reality <laughs> right yeah I think it's so interesting you know identifying for yourself what someone else's expectation or preference or whatever it is for you versus what you actually want is not as easy as I think we would like it to be especially when you're surrounded by so much Sometimes I call it noise, like between what your family expects, what society expects. Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it has a lot to do with what part of the world you're living in. And so that process, like you said, the further you go down it, the more you have to pull yourself in the other direction. But sometimes you don't even know you've actually walked down the path that isn't in the most alignment or isn't the most true to you until you've actually started going really down that path. And that's when I find it so interesting, you know, when either there's some kind of like small sign, something that happens, but we don't pay attention to it. And then it takes sometimes like a bigger event, like a bigger event, either on the individual level or on the collective level for us to go, oh, wait, actually, what is it that I love? What is it that I really like? What do I want to do? How do I want to spend my time? And that's what I find to be so interesting about the pandemic and coronavirus is it's this big collective, like, hello, wake up call. And I think it, it can be what it is that we choose it to be. And, and that's not to take away from the immense suffering and pain and um, tumultuous experience that so many people are having. And um, so what I'm saying is not to take away from that, but I think if we can look at this experience of being in our homes, um, you know, just with the ones we live with or just with our families and, and having to sort of retreat from the world in a lot of ways, there's so much I think that we can gain from it. And the more people that I talk to both for the podcast and in my life and, you know, in moments like these, it's so fascinating to hear and sort of reflect on oh yeah, we're all sort of feeling that of this was a moment for me to go, oh wait, what am I doing with my life? How am I spending my time? And, and I think that's, that's a gift of this moment for sure. It, it, it's a really fascinating time. It is. I, I totally agree with you. And I think that this is a beautiful time for us to talk about two things because mm. I really want to touch on joy Yes. as a, a word, a concept, a, you know, whatever, a verb, like a everything, but yeah. also uh, sanctuary, because what, what you're saying and what I'm hearing really relates to sanctuary. And I do believe that over the last 12 months, we've all been invited to come into our homes to mm -hmm. settle in with ourselves, with whomever we may or may not live with, um, even if that's our pets. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've been invited to really look at what home means for us mm -hmm. but before we get there can let's talk about joy because this just keeps pinging in my mind like I feel yeah. as though we really need to touch on that so I was blessed to be born with the middle name gifted the middle name at birth of joy and I really didn't like it for a, right. such a long time uh, and then I decided it was time to claim it and and you know now mm -hmm. I use that as through my business as well so 
I know that I have this concept of joy, which for me is becoming really internalized. And I do think it's because it's rubber stamped on my birth certificate as oh, well. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, yes. Energetically, that vibration was kind of like, this is what you have to do out in the world at some stage in your life, Helen. Yeah. So yeah. when you think of joy, and maybe this is a winding back to when, you know, your idea first um, landed for the name of your podcast. But mm. when you think of joy, like what does that invoke in you? Hmm. So interesting that you said it, it, about tying back to the name of the podcast, because Okay, where do I want to start? I'll start with this. When I think of joy, I I think there's a misconception around joy. I think people don't know what joy is. We feel like it's super inaccessible. Um, and I think sometimes we confuse joy with happiness. And the way I look at joy, and it sounds like it's very similar to you, it's this very internal process. It's this internal feeling. It's this energetic moment of whatever makes you feel the most like you, that is your joy. And what's been so fascinating for me through having a podcast that is really centered around joy and how we can experience it and and seek out more of it in our lives is we often don't know what joy feels like for us. And then as a result, we think we don't have it. And so I always tell people, what does joy, you got to think about what does joy feel like for you? So for me personally, it's, um, it's tapping into my creativity. It's this moment where I feel so electric. I'm like, oh my God, I got to do more of this. And next thing I know it's two o'clock in the morning and oh my God, I have to go to sleep. Joy is when I feel like I'm the most like myself, when I'm in moments of conversation, when I get to connect with somebody, it's, it's just whatever allows me to just feel like me and be like me, feel like me and be like me. I think as unapologetically as possible, but I sometimes still struggle with what, what is joy? What is joy for me? And the reason why I said it's so interesting that you tied this back to the name of the podcast and my process of naming it, I think it was about 2014 or 2015, I was having a conversation with a friend um, and he's really a friend and a mentor. And he said, you've got to get more joy in your life. Like you need to seek your joy. And this was a moment I was um, a year or so before I was going to graduate from law school and just deeply embedded in the stress of my own making. And he was really persistent about me figuring out my joy. And I'm a very literal person at times. And I went out and I made a a bracelet. It was a simple engraved bracelet and it said, seek the joy. And I wore it sometimes, but then, you know, like any piece of jewelry or something you have, you put it away for some time. So when I was trying to come up with the name of the podcast, I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I had happened to take it out of this little um, bowl it was in about a week or so ago. And I thought, that's it. This is it. Because I'm on a constant journey of seeking my joy. And I think, especially with so much going on in our personal lives and collectively, sometimes we forget about joy. Sometimes I think it ends up on the back burner. So I think the more of it we can bring into our lives and be reminded, you know, that it's, it's something we have and we hold on to, but it's also something we'll continue to seek. Um, as life evolves, I think, for me, has been a very powerful, powerful message. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And what about this concept of sanctuary? How Do you see that weaves in at all with joy or does that mm-hmm. sit separately? Like, how's that mm-hmm. look for you? So it's so interesting because sanctuary, the word itself to me, evokes this feeling of like present awareness of what is it that you have or you create or you um, hold for yourself 
that is precious and um, evokes, I think, the sense of peace and joy has to be part of it. For me, it has to be. Um, because when I'm sitting in a moment of sanctuary for me, which is often a moment of solitude, it's um, either, you know, when I'm waking up in the morning or going to sleep at night, or even for me, moments of working on the podcast feels like a moment of sanctuary. Joy has to be present. It just is. And I think it really... I think they go together. I don't know. What do you think? I think they have to go hand in hand. Look, I think they have to. I talk yeah. a lot about this concept of the infinity symbol and you can nearly yes. use it in any any context. So we might look at, for example, shifting um, our internal, uh, whether that's internal thought processes or energy processes yeah. or whatever, on one side of the infinity symbol and then on the other side, external. So what could I do externally to mm. perhaps shift energy or whatever? So in this instance, I can really see beautifully how joy can sit on one side of the infinity mm. symbol and sanctuary on the other. And it's this, the way that I talk about it, it's like this real uh, symbiotic relationship between the two and it's this constant flow. So, mm. for example, if I was sitting in joy in the way that you expressed it so beautifully, I'd be feeling pretty okay with the world, with my life, with everything I'm probably feeling quite in flow as well yeah, yeah. But then something might come left of center or maybe I get ill or just something happens and that joy seems to reduce a little mm. uh, or a lot depending on the situation so then I switch to the other side of that infinity sign and I go what does sanctuary look like for me in this situation so that I can then bring back mm. some joy so that might be self-care. Um, I talk about the sanctuary languages and there's four of them. So maybe it's diving in with whatever your sanctuary language is. Maybe it's making an appointment to get a massage or go away if possible, COVID restrictions um, mm -hmm. you know, excluded, um, to you know, do something on your own. Like what does it look like that you need to do to create sanctuary, whether that's in your home, your body or your life. It doesn't really matter. But doing that then brings back that balance with the joy. And ultimately, whatever's on either side of that infinity symbol, you're really trying to get to that centre connection, which is that beautiful balance between mm -hmm. the two. And I know that the word balance historically has had a little bit of a bad rap and I'm not talking about it from that context. I'm saying that his joy and his sanctuary, and I've got to that sweet spot mm -hmm. for me, and mm -hmm. it's perfect. Mm. I love that you use this reference or analogy of the infinity symbol, because I think that's so important to remember. It is a constant movement. It's a constant flow. And there's no endpoint either. You're constantly moving through it. And I think that's a powerful message maybe, or just reminder of whether it's your joy or it's these moments of practice and sanctuary or the two in between or any other emotion you're experiencing, you are going to have these ebbs and these flows, highs and lows. And you, this is part of life. It's that continuous movement. I think sometimes we focus too much on like an end point. Like when I 
you know, and when I'm here, I'll experience joy. Or when I'm there, I'll know how to practice a more of a level of self-care for myself, whatever it is that uh, resonates for you. But it's a constant, it's just a constant flow. It's a constant journey. You don't, you don't actually end up anywhere. You just refine and you learn and you step, I think, you step more deeply into a sense of being more embodied through it. So I love that you said that because I, I think we have to remember that. I think now, oh my God, now more than ever. Yeah. Gosh, you just said that so beautifully. Thank you. There's so much, so much gold there. Let's mm. talk because, you know, we have to, we're called musings on sanctuary and spirituality. Let's yeah. talk about spirituality. Yeah. So uh, I talk a lot about my practices, or, you know, I share openly the kind of things that I do. I do believe that in the spiritual world, we have to show integrity around mm. our spiritual truth and particularly if we're working with other people like it, it's it's totally not okay to be sharing mm. you know private confidential um personal stuff yeah. uh, because that's just not ethically the right thing to do so I've shared a lot about, you know, I do meditation. I often have Epsom salts baths, which I know may not seem like a big thing, but yesterday I had a massive day and I don't normally have an Epsom salts bath at the end of the day, but I just said, I'm going to go have an Epsom salts mm. bath. Um, and there's, again, this links beautifully to sanctuary because it's bringing us closer to our truth, bringing us closer mm. to ourselves. And it's those practices that we do, whether that's, daily, weekly, monthly, once a year, it doesn't really matter, but it's these kind of touch points, spiritual touch points that will bring us back to yeah. the sense of sanctuary. So what kind of things do you personally practice, Sydney, that are helpful for you? Hmm. Oh, where do I begin? Um, you know, it's so interesting. My spiritual practices have ebbed and flowed. Um, going back to that theme of what we were just talking about, you know, sometimes I find myself, I'm very deeply in a practice with journaling and um, it's not just journaling my feelings, but it's also um, writing poetry and um, having that source of sense of connection through my writing. And then sometimes I'll completely abandon the journaling. And for me, what becomes more of a meditative practice is um, going on long walks, which has been really helpful for me, um, I think, especially in this time. And then sometimes it ebbs and flows into something else, which is meditation. Other times it's exercise. And what I learned for myself, because I had a time where for about eight months, I was on a very sort of strict um, schedule with my spiritual practices because I wanted to constantly and consistently tap in through meditation and journaling and automatic writing and and reading and card pulls. And then I had a day where I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't, I got to let it go. And I learned for myself, I need to pick up my spiritual practices when I feel inspired, when I feel um, lit up by it. And that for me has been really healing because I think sometimes there are these messages of if you're not consistent with something, if you're not meditating every day, if you're not practicing you know, yoga or chanting or whatever it might be every day, you've like fallen off. And for me, I took that hard and it went back to, again, like, okay, you're, you're basing your sense of self-worth on some sort of external measurement. And so for me, I pick up my journal when I feel inspired. I meditate when I feel like I, I need to. And that has been really 
healing for me. I don't know if that totally answers your question, but for me, my spiritual practices come into play when I feel lit up by them. And then also when I feel like I need them. And um, for me, knowing that I can pick and choose and I can pick and choose when I feel inspired has been um, really, really uh, transformational <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful because I do a hundred percent agree with you that we inverted commas collectively yeah, yeah. can think, Oh, well, that person's doing all those things. And they tell me that I should be doing that. Or this book says this, or this says that, or whatever the case may be. And we feel like we have to do this thing. And again, this yeah. is externalizing it. And that probably isn't bringing you a lot of joy or sanctuary. So no. come back to what is my body saying? I have friends who say to me constantly, well, my clients also saying constantly, I can't journal for the life of me and I should. And I go, no, you shouldn't. <laughs> if you don't want to journal, don't, don't do it. journal. Like it's no. not, it's your life. You get to pick and choose. You're an adult. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. do it. Yeah. And what's so interesting too is, you know, um, it goes back to this reminder that I think we all need. And sometimes I need it myself of your spirituality is what you make it. There is nothing set in stone of how it has to look, how it has to feel, what the practices need to invoke within you, what practices you need to actually do. It is really what you make it. And whether you tap into um, source or God or the universe or your higher self, whatever language um, resonates for you, it is a personalized experience. And I think we need to remember that. I think especially the more time we spend on social media, like you said, and we see other people, they do all these practices and we're like, oh, I got to do it too. And only do it if it makes you feel good and only do it if it resonates. But your spirituality, your connection, the way in which you tap in or tap out or, or um, whatever it is, it's going to be unique to you. And I think that is so important to remember. For me, it's been huge because you, like you said, otherwise you're, you're basing that connection on an external measuring point as opposed to the internal, which is the way that it makes you feel and the experience um, that you have with it. Definitely, definitely. It makes, it makes you, you. Mm -hmm. The more we can come back to who we are and our truth, mm. the better everything in our world um, will become because we need more yeah. of that. We don't need more robots. We need more no. individuals who are just beautiful, soulful people. Yeah. So let's dive in with the really only official question that I ever ask Sydney on um, the podcast, which is yeah. if you were to leave the listener with one piece of advice on their sanctuary journey, what would it be? I'm going to go with the first thing that popped in my head, which is probably not what I expected. I would say, but the world needs you to be uniquely you. The world needs you to show up with the way you view the world, with the, your experiences, with your joy. And I think that is a very important and beautiful reminder, especially right now. So choose to show up as you and embody who you are without judgment, without fear, without um, expectation either. And the more that you do that, the more you will, I think, step into your own sense of sanctuary and step into your own sense of joy. Like you said, the world doesn't need more robots. The world needs you to be you and everything that comes with that. So that, that would be my answer. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Sydney. Mm. I feel like we could talk for a very long time, but we probably we could. Should, we probably should bring this <laughs> to an end. Where can people find you? 
Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a fun way for me to end my day. So I, I'm so grateful. You can find me um, in all things Seek the Joy podcast at seekthejoypodcast.com. We are at Seek the Joy podcast everywhere. Um, if you're interested in stories of inspiring joy, you can find that at storiesofinspiringjoy.com. And if you find me or Seek the Joy by way of Helen's amazing podcast, please reach out and say hello. Um, I would love to meet you and, and just be connected. I can't tell you just how much fun it is for me to um, sit in moments of connection like this one, but then with someone who finds the show or finds me by way of it, it's, it's really an honor. So I would love, would love to meet you. Beautiful. Thank you, Sydney. And I also just want to drop into that I was on your joy corner. So maybe that's somewhere people can go as well to explore. Oh my gosh. Okay. Then I have to, I always forget about joy corner. Joy corner is um, the interview style blog series on our website. And I feature two amazing people every week and have the honor to feature Helen on joy corner. So that's a wonderful place to check out. Talk about inspiring people and stories and words of wisdom. It, it all lives in joy corner. So thank you for reminding me. I appreciate that. You're welcome. I will include obviously all the links to that in the show notes as well so people can um, connect through to you. So thank you listeners so much for being here. I invite you to head on over to the Helen Joy Butler webpage and grab your Sanctuary Starter Kit and join us in the Sanctuary Inner Circle if you're not already there. But until next time, take care and much love.